The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome back to The Leftovers. It is Friday, March 15th. It's March the 15th. I've got Anshu Khanna, I've got Dan Bauer. And we've got a lot of college basketball happening. But beyond that, we've got a ton going on in the NFL. And, Dan, we're going to get to it. But before we do, I'd just like to know how you're feeling. Uh, not as enthusiastic as you, but I think it's going to be tough to match up today. Yeah, I mean, I've just got so much energy, just so much happening in free agency with all my teams. Uh, you? I know you're bringing the energy tonight. It's Friday. Oh, yeah, Let's brother. Do this. Friday, as they say, I'm I'm pumped. I'm as pumped as Dan probably was some two nights ago. Yeah, so let's get down to that. Obviously, the Browns. I mean, they've been really one of the stories uh, of the offseason, if not the story. They had already made some significant moves, and then the rumor mill started to to become more realistic that they could potentially bring in Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, you know, there was a lot of trade talk about where he would land and what the return was going to be, and. Yeah, I got to tell you, Dan, I'm pretty impressed that they were able to pull this off and really only giving up the the, the cornerstone of this deal was, was, what, a 17th overall pick. So you've got to be pretty happy that they're able to bring in a guy with that talent. Uh, so let's just hear your off-the-cuff reactions to the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. Yeah, I mean, I think excited is an understatement. Uh, you know, you add OBJ to a team that won five of its last seven, a team that nobody wanted to play coming down the stretch – and you are in for one explosive offense. Obviously, uh, we'll see what happens with Kareem Hunt, but assuming he plays at some point this year, you know, you have just weapons galore for Baker Mayfield, uh, returning your entire offensive line outside of uh, trading your uh, left guard for a right guard for, and letting uh, the r- rookie Corbett slide in there. Uh, but everyone else is back, and uh, you have a, a very – dangerous and, and continue you know uh, continuity in your in your offense and your defense uh, this team is is young but it's almost a little bit veteran in some sense being able to have guys who played together um, and, and add OBJ and, and honestly when when the trade happened I had kind of completely forgotten about the big extension and, and what we gave up I was like oh, that's kind of a lot for a guy who's only got two years left on his deal completely forgetting about the fact that uh, he's actually got four years left uh, on that deal. And then all of a sudden what you gave up looks like nothing. I mean, that 17th overall pick, you are hoping you get four years out of an, uh, an OBJ caliber player. Uh, and that's best case scenario. Uh, and you got rid of that, a third round pick in Javier Peppers, who was just completely underutilized and on some level, a little disgruntled with Cleveland. He had made comments about how he didn't love the Ohio state fans, how they treated him, uh, which just, still is kind of a, a wild take um but yeah you get a kind of disgruntled player out there a couple draft picks that you were like i said best case scenario turned into obj uh for a guy you have now locked up for 
the remainder of Baker Mayfield's rookie deal and kind of sky's the limit going forward. Yeah, Peppers also wasn't playing great for Cleveland, but uh, what's kind of fallen behind the wayside here, or by the wayside, I should say, is what they were able to do even before this trade happened on the defensive side of the ball. They bring in Olivier Vernon and also Sheldon Richardson. I mean, these are both Pro Bowl caliber players, uh, but nobody's really even talking about what they did to revamp that defense that was already starting to show signs with a lot of the youth that they've drafted uh, of promise in the future. So what did you think of the two defensive signings before I hear Anshu's take? Also, I've got to let you up for thinking they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but I mean, it's not just me. It's Vegas. They're the fourth best odds to, <laughs> to make it there. So it's not like it's out of nowhere. Um, the, but defensively, I mean, it's huge. You, like you said, you had two pro bowl caliber guys to a defensive line that was strong, but, but not very deep. And it's really, uh, it, it just adds so much from a rotational perspective from keeping guys legs fresh, um, and, and not as concerned if you have a major injury like you did last year with Ogun Joby. Um, you know, this is, it, it's depth and it's depth with, with two very quality guys, you know, maybe on the little bit. Um, starting on the d- downturn of their prime, uh, but still extremely talented players that that you compare uh, with your extremely talented, you know, Miles Garrett. Uh, like I said, Agbo, if if he's still around, unless they trade him, oh, and Joby, um, you know, you have some serious depth there uh, now with the two additions you mentioned. Yeah, so I mean, I, as a as a fan of a team in the division that's done absolutely nothing, I will say I'm extremely jealous of John Dorsey just going all out this offseason to make this team a contender. Do I believe that they're a Super Bowl caliber contender? I don't believe that they've moved the needle quite that much. Will they be much improved from last year and have a chance to win this division? I absolutely believe that. Anshu, I've got to hear somebody's thoughts that has no skin in the game here, that doesn't root for a team in this division, uh, at least not openly. But uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know you've, you've, you've kind of from afar been very uh, – you've admired what John Dorsey has done, obviously, here and in Kansas City. But uh, what are your thoughts on this offseason so far for Cleveland? I mean, objectively, it's been amazing. Like, he, they've what they've done – like the Sheldon Richardson thing that you brought up is one of the most underrated signings of the whole offseason. Three years, $36 million, when everyone else was getting overpaid. I thought that that was a really good signing. The one thing about Sheldon Richardson is he's, you know, he's not a super high-character guy. Otherwise, he would have stayed at the Jets. And, you know, that's what you get with free agents. But I think that in that locker room in particular, he's going to be – it's, you know, I think it's going to go okay for him. And, and it feels like the Browns are kind of turning into – somewhat of like a Rams Chiefs thing, not in terms of on the field yet by any means, but just in terms of a place that players kind of seem to want to go. And, you know, if, if they had signed Earl Thomas to cap this whole thing off, I think it would have been shades of that Eagles, you know, when they made all those signings and they called call themselves the dream team and all that. And obviously we know how that ended up, but it, it feels like, you know, you talk about winning an off season, that would have, that would have really capped it. But I mean, trading for Beckham, for a mid first is crazy. I think the Vernon trade, you know, I think that the Vernon for Zeitler trade is just a good trade all around. Like, I don't think the Browns ripped them off by any means. Obviously, like Dan said, you start Corbett, which makes sense. But I, I think that that, you know, that just worked for everybody. Um, you know, it's not a cheap team, but you have a quarterback on a rookie deal. And so they can afford to do this and they still have room to do other stuff. So we'll just have to see what they, what it all ends up doing, how much of a, an impact Kareem Hunt makes, you know, what the offensive line looks like. Look, this is not a perfect team by any means. Their offensive line is still 
questionable at best i think honestly like i, I don't i don't know that they're a, a total like world beater but i do think that they're a contender a legitimate super bowl contender as of today based on the 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 moves that they've made yeah and when you look across the division the Bengals have, have kind of stayed put they've re-signed a couple mediocre players the steelers have lost their two best offensive players aside from their quarterback who is aging and then the Ravens did make a little bit of a splash here in the last couple of days. Obviously, they landed Earl Thomas, who there was a lot of rumors that he would end up in Cleveland. And then they signed Mark Ingram, who will probably take over as their starting running back. But, you know, they are obviously going to be working Lamar Jackson into being their, their starter with Joe Flacco being traded. So do, do you see, Anshu, first, do you see the, the Browns as a favorite to win this division? Or do you think the Ravens are still the team to beat? Or maybe Pittsburgh... Uh, has one more year where they surprise people and and get there. I, obviously, I don't think the Bengals have a chance, a snowflake's chance in hell. Um, but but do you think that the Browns have done enough this off season, or do you need to see it on the field before you make that that call? Um, yeah, I mean, if I have the option of getting to see it on the field, I would take seeing it on the field. But um, you know, if you you're making me, if you yeah, if you're making me pick one team, I. I, you know, it's not like the Ravens are the same Ravens they've been either. We talked about on the other show that they lose Eric Waddle. Yes, they upgrade to Earl Thomas, but that's not a huge upgrade. I love Earl Thomas, but that's not a huge upgrade. And then, you know, Suggs. you add Mark, he lose Suggs, they lose to Darius Smith, and, uh, or, and <laughs> that's one for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Easy. Um, and then, you know, and then they've got, you know, and then they've got Lamar Jackson, who we I, I like Lamar Jackson, but we didn't see him throw at all last year. So, I mean, I, I think that it's if you're going to say that, you know, the Browns are a big reach, then I think that you have to say the same thing to, about the Ravens. And yes, they did win a bunch of games with Lamar Jackson, but teams are going to know how to defend him running the ball. I think that the Browns are probably a narrow favorite over the Ravens and the Steelers are, are right there still right now. Right now, I think. Yeah, I think this could be a fun division, at least at the top three. Um, I, I'm excited to see. I mean, I, I joke, and the Bengals hopefully will at least be back at full strength and healthy and have a new coaching staff that's willing to use the weapons that they have in a different way than the coaching staff's had in the past. But it's pretty clear that they're the, they're the outside looking in on a three-horse three, three horse race right now, at least this point. I mean, the draft, For now. The draft could yeah. change a lot. Uh, we could be having a new conversation uh, as things uh, kind of – start to, to show their face. But uh, at this point, you, you kind of nailed it, aren't you? The, the Browns definitely have won this offseason. Uh, but, Dan, let's talk about the exits on the Pittsburgh side. So Antonio Brown, obviously, you know, he was going somewhere. He ends up landing in Oakland. Um, he's obviously going to change things in their receiving core. And then Le'Veon Bell ends up going to the New York Giants – or, the, excuse me, the New York Jets on a, a four-year $52 million deal, uh, which – you know, obviously wasn't the money he was hoping for by sitting out the entire year, but still gets a pretty pretty big deal. Which one of those two do you think wins? Obviously, neither team they're going to had a very good year last year. They're both kind of rebuilding. But which one of those two do you think has a better situation as they move forward? Uh, I mean, as a Browns fan, I'm used to seeing terrible situations, and it's still tough to pick between what's worse. I mean, the, the Raiders are still just a couple of years removed away from, uh, you know, some serious relevancy, whether last year was just a completely down year uh, for Derek Carr, you know, or, or if it was just this is the sign of a downgrading uh, downgrading quarterback. I, I mean, I think you probably, as weird as it sounds, I think the Jets is probably a slightly better situation if for nothing else than 
there's you're looking at more upside with with Darnold and potential and uh you know kind of going the opposite way in Oakland but it's uh, uh it's a it's a coin flip I mean I I'd I'd love to hear your guys' take on it because I wouldn't want to be picking between either of those situations. Yeah, I mean, I actually think the Raiders situation has potential to turn into something that could be interesting. I, there's there's going to be question marks as to whether Derek Carr is going to be the starting quarterback of the future there. Uh, but I, I hope they give him one more year to, to show what he can do, especially with bringing in a weapon like Antonio Brown. They also signed Tyrell Williams from – the Chargers, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do with their backfield, whether or not they build that from the draft or bring somebody on. It looks like there's going to be a lot of movement uh, within free agency with some of the signings that have been made. But uh, I think the Raiders could be a, a unique situation for Antonio Brown where he, he, he's going to be the focal point of that offense. So I think he could have some personal success, whether or not the Raiders can have success outside of that, especially with that terrible defense from a year ago. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they can turn things around that way. Um, but I, I don't know. The, the Jets situation is – I just think they're still so far away from being a, a relevant team. What are your thoughts on you? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, we talked about it. I, I think that they're, they're not too far, but that division is so good that it's really tough for me to, to figure out how that's going to happen so quickly. They do have three first-rounders. They have, what, like five of the first 60 picks. Like, you add that to what they've done – they had a franchise left tackle. You know, I don't like the assembly trade they made with the Jets. I just – here's my problem with what the Raiders have done. They have, like – so trading Amari Cooper and trading Khalil Mack, but then turning around and signing free agents or trading <laughs> for free agents makes no freaking sense at all. I know yeah. that, you know, Antonio Brown was a much better deal than what they gave up for yeah, or what they gave up for Antonio Brown was a much better deal than what they got for Amari. But then they re-signed him to that all that guaranteed money, and I just like, I just don't really understand. It's teams like them and the Giants that that say one thing and do another. They just confuse me, and and that's why I have a, a tough time giving them the benefit of the doubt to think that you know they'll even know how to manage their team, even if they are a talented group. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 going to be one to watch transpire because I think both Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell by their own actions put themselves in into pretty bad situations. I know they're on social media acting like they're extremely excited for what what is to come, but I think if they had to honestly say how they feel about what transpired and if they could go back and change some of the things that they did to get them to this point, I think both of them would obviously have to say that they did things the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think so. And I think that, you know, the Steelers now look around at their division and I think that they rightfully, you look at Mike Tomlin. I mean, I, he's almost certainly coaching for his job this year. He's a lame duck on his contract. And I, I think that, you know, if he could do it all over again, I bet he would do things differently. And I wonder if they would have bailed on Roethlisberger. Yeah. I, it's going to, I mean, he's the guy now. That's all they have left and the window is closing quickly. So we, we touched a little bit on the AFC East with the Jets and Le'Veon Bell. We, Obviously spent some time in the AFC North. AFC South, the big signing here was Nick Foles. The Jaguars get their guy. Uh, do either of you have any thoughts on this Nick Foles signing? I mean, he, can he do any better than, than Blake Bortles, Dan? He can for sure do better than Blake Bortles. Uh, whether it's enough uh, to turn that team you know, back to a, uh, an AFC championship contender, I would say absolutely not. I mean, we've seen it before. We saw it in Philadelphia. He's just... He's not the same quarterback when it's regular season. You have plenty of time to scheme. Uh, you know what you're getting. He he somehow just has that magic 
you know, you play better and, and above your talent level when it matters most. And that's an extremely exceptional quality to have in your quarterback. Uh, but when you are kind of be- below average during the regular season, you're not even going to get a chance uh, to to show what you can do come playoff time. So, uh, I mean, it's de- it's definitely an upgrade. It's not going to be enough to get them back to where they were a few years ago. Yeah, AFC West, we talked a little bit about. Obviously, Oakland, the one big mover there, and Kansas City, that some of the curious moves that they made we touched on. Uh, NFC East, obviously, the Giants got worse. The Redskins trading for Keenum. Uh, aren't you any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, well, I, I don't think it's the end of their moves at quarterback, honestly. Yeah, they, yeah, Keenum's a little bit younger, and you know he's only one year removed from having that career season with Minnesota, but you know, they have that mid first rounder and there's been a lot of smoke around them with, uh, you know, with Daniel Jones from Duke and, you know, some of these other quarterbacks, potentially Drew Locke, if he slips from Missouri. So I wouldn't be sh- shocked at all if the, the skins made a move there or if they drafted uh, Jackson from Buffalo in the second round or something like that. I really would expect actually that the skins make a move because I think the Alex Smith thing is going to be a real problem. Stay with you just because we're moving to the NFC North. Uh, obviously, Green Bay's made a few signings. Chicago's made a couple moves. But aside from that, not a lot happening in that division. Yeah, well, the the Lions did a bunch uh, right at the opening. I mean, they signed Trey Flowers. They signed four expats from, you know, to join Bob Quinn and, um, and Matt Patricia. So that's going to be interesting. I mean, that's rarely worked out for teams. Pretty curious that they would do that. But Trey Flowers at 25 obviously coming off his is just an awesome year off the edge for uh, new England. So we'll see if he ends up being an upgrade over Ezekiel Ansa, who's still a free agent. Uh, the Packers go and sign as many free agents in one morning as I've seen them do over like my entire lifetime, which was pretty sweet. Um, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, uh, Adrian Amos, all going to start for the Packers. Probably the fourth guy's a guard from, uh, from the Broncos. His name escapes me off the top of my head, but there's, there's a lot they're doing, um, and most of those guys are—they're all 26 years old. So you know they're expecting, um, you know, to pay for future performance, which will be interesting. Uh, I'm I'm excited. It gives the Packers with their three top 44 picks a lot of room to roam and to just basically take the best player. They could take a receiver. Um, you know, I think that's going to be interesting to see what they do. And the Bears sign Ha Clinton Dix today, which to which I say good riddance. Enjoy that Chicago. That's totally the worst he's the worst so enjoy that and uh and minnesota minnesota gets anthony barback in one of the really weird moves of the offseason where he had committed during the tampering period to the jets on an absolutely insane deal slept on it and decided to pull deandre jordan and just go back to minnesota for a little bit more money so pretty interesting there that he will go back and other than that the vikings haven't done much either yeah, I mean, uh, there's definitely been a lot of movement in that division, though, especially for your pack who, you know, like you said, traditionally don't make a ton of moves. Uh, NFC South, I, I, I really haven't seen a ton out of the NFC South as far as signings. Obviously, New Orleans brought back Bridgewater, um, you know, in a, a you know a very minor minor news signing, but uh, we've got Alex Okafor uh, leaving to go to the Chiefs, and uh, you know the Saints adding. Uh, Malcolm Brown, but anything here? I mean, Dan, aren't you that either of you guys saw out of this division that stood out? Um, well, I thought that you know the the 
Buccaneers with they're just like moving around and you know they've got the new offense with Bruce Arians they trade Deshaun Jackson back to Philadelphia mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting I wonder if they end up drafting maybe a Marquise Brown or someone to to fit in I know that they've spent some high picks on you know Chris Godwin in the last few years and um, obviously OJ Howard so maybe they're just going to try to open that up but that's interesting I think to see what Arians and, and Jameis Winston end up doing there um, and yeah I mean New Orleans also signed a running back I can't remember who it was it was like a oh Latavius Murray to a, like a four-year 30 million dollar deal or something wild don't see why you know they would go with that route instead of just keeping Mark Ingram for a much cheaper deal but here we are so they must have plans for uh, for Latavius Murray yeah, that was interesting. Uh, lastly, we've got the NFC West. Uh, Terrell Suggs, I mean, it's a big addition. He comes home to Arizona to play for the Cardinals. Uh, the Seahawks keeping DJ Fluker, signing Mike Upati. Uh But really not a ton here. Brett Hundley, your boy, aren't you, signing with the Cardinals on a one-year deal. Uh, Rosen has been really the talk in this division, though, whether or not the Cardinals are going to end up parting ways with him. I mean, Dan, obviously we've talked a lot about Josh Rosen, especially leading up to the draft yes, last year and then kind of following these rookie quarterbacks from a year ago. Do you think that uh, it's in the best interest of the Cardinals to move Josh Rosen and move on? Uh, and what type of value do you think they could get for him? No, absolutely not. I mean, to give a guy one year, a rookie QB one year with not, uh, you know, not a ton of weapons around him. I mean, it was well, not like it was terrible, but I mean, didn't exactly have uh, a bunch of Pro Bowl. Well, Larry uh, Fitzgerald came Pro Bowl. Okay, <laughs> ten years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Un, you know, under forty-year-old uh, Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl caliber talent, um, and so no, I mean absolutely not. You can't get rid of him now. Uh, we, you mentioned it. Anchu has been the biggest Josh Rosen fan. Uh, yeah, he didn't look great, but he, it's he's still a rookie quarterback. I mean, you have to give him at least another year to see what he can do. You're not going to get anything out of Thank it. Thank you. Uh, I mean, what are you going to get a a third or fourth round pick? Probably. I mean. I can't imagine you're going to get much more than that, uh, and I think it's worth seeing what he's got, especially in a in a, in a quarterback draft class that is, you know, extremely below average. I mean, there's there's just no logical replacement. Um, you know, your your other your other option is, uh, you know, pull the Redskins and trace for trade for a Case Keenum uh, or convince Josh McCown to come play for you. So I think another year of Josh Rosen is in their best interest. You know, a lot of teams in that division that it just you thought some of them would add some pieces it's just it's really illogical you have a lot of kind of you know not good enough you know that horrible place to be in sports of not good enough to make the championship but not bad enough to tank i mean you got basically every team in that division who's in that just horrible middle purgatory aren't you are you still a believer in josh rosen or or had had his rookie year kind of scare you away a little bit because i know he was your guy yeah, he definitely was and is. I, I He's still young. I'm not worried about Josh Rosen too much. I mean, I will be if he has like three coordinators in three seasons like my boy Mariota. But I do think that he's got to – wherever he goes, hopefully it's not like Washington or something. Like he needs – no offense, Brad. He needs to go and like <laughs> be, be somewhere where he's got a stable coordinator. Worst case scenario, you put him on New England – as Tom Brady's backup for the next two or th- two years, and then he ends up being the heir apparent. I think that's a perfect situation for him. Terrible for everybody else, but you know, I I, I think that I, I there is so much smoke around them trading him, and I think that's been their big move of this offseason. The Cardinals, the fact that they're holding that number one pick for ransom, and it seems like everyone to a man, it's a, it's going to be Kyler Murray that they're you know quietly dangling Josh Rosen out there, and you know. He, 
one year. That's all it's been, and it was a bad offense and a bad scheme. He had two different offensive coordinators during the year. Like, let's just let him get into an offense where it makes more sense. And I wonder if a team like the Giants would basically say, like Dan was saying, this this draft class sucks at quarterback. So do you take a chance and you know trade, you know whether it's the Brown seventeen or probably more like their second rounder? I bet the, I bet the the Cardinals would take that second round, high second round pick from the Giants for Josh Rosen, and I think that would be a great use of resources by New York. That's fair. The only other big signing in this division was uh, Tevin Coleman to San Francisco, which makes it seem like Jarek McKinnon's time has come to an end after obviously the injury last year, but I don't know that that really moves the needle. I mean, San Francisco is probably a loser uh, so far of this offseason. They haven't really done much to improve, and there were a lot of rumors around Antonio Brown going there. Uh, and he heads to and the other team up. in the Bay Area. Yeah, so they get neither. And uh, so we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that division ends out. But it uh, didn't seem like they many of them They did trade for D Ford. Did, did trade a second rounder for D Ford from Kansas City and then re-upped with him. That's a big move for them. Yeah, but otherwise, yeah, I agree. They, they signed Jason Verrett today from the Chargers. He's two years removed from being a pro bowler, kind of a nickel corner. He's an interesting player for sure uh, for them. I, they, all their moves, though, are subtle and under the radar. And for a team that was – you know, supposed to make the playoffs the last year before Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. I mean, that's, I, I think that the pressure's on this year, you know, like there's a lot of talk about Kyle Shanahan being awesome and I really like him, but um, you know, if they don't make the playoffs again this year, I, you could see them potentially firing him. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'd take him as our coach. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, we did want to quickly touch on some college hoops just because, obviously, Zion getting back and, and now the, the college tournament's being underway. Duke looks like they're going to take care of business here against Syracuse. But, Anshu, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on what Zion coming back does for the ripple effect of this NCAA tournament that's coming up here in a, just a, a week or so. So uh, how big is that impact, and does that make Duke the clear favorite to kind of walk away with not just here the ACC tournament but potentially the big dance as well? Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. He's got the juice. You can tell they're like he's he does not look rusty to me. He had 15 points in like the first five minutes of this game against the you know a decent Syracuse defense. So I mean, it's uh, they're 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 scary. Um, you know, they're the, Virginia has they've beat Virginia twice with Zion. I mean, they lost to North Carolina twice, but neither was with Zion. They lost to Gonzaga early in the year at a neutral site. I think that that could ultimately be a title game preview. Um, but I, I, I think right now Duke with Zion is, is just so, so scary and he doesn't look like he's got the effect at all of that knee injury. So, I mean, Duke is, is really, really scary to me. Are there any other storylines that you're kind of keeping an eye on this weekend with these conference tournaments? Obviously the big 10 is very contentious. We've got all the big ones, anything else that uh, our listeners should be, should be keeping a close eye on as we kind of close out the weekend and wait for the brackets to be uh, released. Um, well, I mean, you know, look at the bubble because those bubbly teams, if they go out, you could have a bunch of mid-majors crash the dance because we've got a lot of teams that are right there that are under 500 in their respective conferences. And, you know, we talked about it on the other show, but, you know, you've got the, the Pac-12 is a disaster, which leaves a whole bunch of spots open and they shouldn't necessarily all be filled by other, you know, power six teams. So just because, you know, Arizona sucks this year and isn't going to make the tournament, it doesn't mean that you know, we have to fill it with Texas if they're under 500 in conference, you know, like or at 500 and in, in not a great conference. Like it, maybe it should be somebody else. Maybe it should be, you know, Belmont. Maybe it should be a, another team like that. And so 
Um, you know, St. Mary's stole a, uh, an at-large bid because they beat Gonzaga, and Gonzaga's obviously in. But it's, you know, it's just one of those things that I, I think that it's really fun. Watch watch these tournaments. Watch the Big East especially because that is just a complete cluster. And, um, you know, there's like four teams all vying for at-large spots and playing for their lives, including our buddy Steve's Xavier Musketeers. So um, definitely keep an eye on that. And, uh, you know, enjoy Selection Sunday. It's the absolute best time of year. Agreed. Dan, why don't you give us our your oh, by the way, and take us home. So going to stick on brand here. We haven't really – uh, talked a lot any baseball today so i'm gonna go with that the mlb and mlb players association announced some of the rule changes uh for 2019 and 2020 um the the biggest ones are uh the one million bucks if you win the all-star game uh there's going to be a kind of primary season and election day to pick all-star starters so uh, all you political nerds out there me amongst them uh will get to enjoy that a uh, little for uh, a down to one trade deadline instead of two, we we talked a lot about it on Love the show. And, uh, yeah, uh, just the confusing nature of all that. So it'll just be one trade deadline, July thirty first. It will be um, and the most contentious issue, and it actually came out today that this was not something that the MLB and MLBPA agreed on. This is unilaterally imposed by the commissioner's office. Is a three batter minimum for relief pitchers in twenty twenty which I completely can't stand. I think it's ridiculous. The the thought that, you know, this is one of those pace of play things that is going to, what, save one or, two, you know, a couple pitching changes a game. Like, the fact that if you don't like baseball, having one or two less pitching changes is not going to make you all of a sudden, like, oh, man, this game's awesome now. Uh, so you have to face three batters unless you're injured or uh, the inning ends. But, like, if the inning's continuing to going – you have to face at least three batters, which I think is just an unbelievably horrible rule. Um, so I will yell about that from now until probably forever. Fair enough. I want to be the first to stay on brand uh, with LeBron James and pronouncing him dead. Uh, the, the, the Lakers have absolutely no chance of making the playoffs. I mean, they're not mathematically eliminated, but they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Uh, they got beat up pretty bad by the Raptors again here tonight, and they've just been losing bad game after bad game. Not that the Raptors loss is a bad one but they just don't look competitive the team looks in shambles and uh you know you think about lebron going forward he stays in la they have to attract free agents which they should be able to do theoretically but uh it's not it's not easy because a lot of people don't want to play with them uh so we'll see what this does to the legacy we'll see what happens this this offseason in uh, free agency but the lakers now sitting at the the ten seed, the ten spot, uh, when or excuse me, eleventh seed. When we look at the Western Conference, it's just not looking good for them to close out the year. Anshu, lastly, take us home. Well, I want to shout out you, Josh, and uh, unfortunately, this is a, a continuation of my last. Oh, by the way, where I lit this guy on fire, and that's Alex Hornibrook. He has decided on his next team. He's transferring from Wisconsin. <laughs> to florida state which is the best thing of all time like cannot think of a better destination and a better guy to enjoy alex hornybrook services than you my friend one good thing is that he absolutely torched miami so you have that to look forward to but other than that um hopefully he just doesn't get the starting job over blackman yeah i just cannot contain my excitement seeing hornybrook coming on over to tallahassee to take care of business for us it's just uh it's a real blessing (laughs) You should, yeah, it really is. That sweet lefty stroke is going to keep you up at night, trust me. That's what you get when you don't recruit a quarterback for three years. 
<laughs> All right. Well, for Anju Kana and Dan Bauer, I'm Josh Dunn. This has been The Leftovers. Enjoy Selection Sunday. We'll see you next week right before the tournament. Cheers.